And here we go, here we go! Raider Nation. Raider Nation. Welcome to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. Your home for the most real Raiders takes, predictive stats, and advanced analytics. We bleed silver and black. Here are your hosts, Raider Heart and Raspy Raider. What's happening, Raider Nation? Welcome back to the Silver and Black Hack Podcast. I am your host, Raider Hart, and you're listening to the Raiders 49ers preview show. We're also going to get into a little bit more of the Derek Carr conversation as well. Um, But before we get into anything, guys, I just want to kind of apologize. We had some pretty significant technical issues, difficulties in the last episode, we want to apologize for that. Not something that we anticipate dealing with or, or, you know, happening again very often going forward. But just wanted to make sure to apologize for that right off the bat. But as far as this particular episode, guys, we're going to break down the Raiders 49ers matchup. Dramatically different than what we thought it was going to look like earlier in this season or coming into the season. Uh, the Jared Stenham, Jared Stenham era begins. We're going to talk about that. Do, do the Raiders get a Stenham bump? That's something that that's, you know, a little bit interesting that we're going to get into a little bit. What are the keys to the Raiders pulling off a major upset at this point? Is there any hope to pulling off a major upset against one of the most complete teams in the NFL right now? Let's just keep it real. Raspy Raider, of course, is with us. We're going to give our scores, official scores and predictions for this game. And like I said at the Open, we are going to get back into the 5,000-pound elephant in the room, the elephant named Derek Carr, later on in the show. But first, guys, before we get into the the good stuff, just want to, as always, remind you guys where you can find us, where you can reach us. Social media is always a good place. Raiders Twitter seems to be the hottest channel right now for Raider discussion on social media, intelligent Raider discussion. I, I, I should put that caveat out there. You can get us at silver underscore hack. You can find us on Facebook as well. And guys, we ask you every episode, help us to spread the word, continue the growth of the silver and black hack show. Tell anybody that, you know, that's a Raider fan that's in your life that you think would really enjoy consuming even more Raider content or really good Raider content. Tell them where to find the show. Tell them that wherever they're listening to their current podcast, just search, search for the silver and black hack podcast. We're everywhere that they, that they're currently getting their content. So we're not hard to find guys like share and subscribe, all that good stuff. And, and as always keep those notifications turned on, even though we're getting towards the end of the season, we are going to still continue to have content out there. Raspy, you know, this game, this matchup takes a whole different, takes on a whole different sort of look and feel in a lot of significant ways, boy, compared to what we thought it was going to look like coming into this season or even as we're looking forward to this this game earlier in this season. I don't think any of us could have predicted this. I think you're right. I mean, look look back to how the season started. Trey Lance was the guy. Jimmy Jimmy G was supposedly about to be gone. Somehow he 
you know, no one made that move. He ended up staying with the Niners. You know, Lance goes down early. I mean, they lost to the Broncos. I think it was the second week of the season. This season has been crazy. But, uh, yeah, their situation has been even crazier. So, here they are with uh, their third-string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who is showing to be everything but irrelevant lately. Yeah, did not expect to see uh, Brock Purdy versus Jared Stidham, you know, week 17, whatever, 18, whatever it is right now. It is uh, definitely a lot different situation and scenario that we thought. And at one point in the season, it was like, okay, it's going to be Jimmy G versus Derek Carr. So it has changed more than more than once, probably more than twice. Weird situation this weekend, no doubt. Very strange, very strange situation. And before we get into the actual, you know, into the dirt with this matchup, so to speak, can I just say, man, I it, I know I'm a Raider fan. I hate the 49ers. We're all supposed to hate the 49ers. And I really do hate the 49ers. It's not, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Raider fan or just, I hate them just because I feel like I should as a Raider fan. I really have never cared for them. I used to respect Montana and, and Rice and Bill Walsh and all that, but I've never had any love for the 49ers. But, man, let me just say, I have such a man crush on how they've built their roster. I just have so much admiration for how they built their roster because you just talked about it. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, I just talked about Joe Montana. There's none of those guys is going to remind anybody over there of Joe Montana or Steve Young or any of these guys. I mean, the way that they've, you know, Lynch and, and everybody over there, obviously Shanahan, the way that they've built their roster is what I want for the Raiders going forward, man. Build your roster in such a way that the quarterback position is almost – it can never be irrelevant in the NFL. I get that. But the 49ers have made the quarterback position as close to irrelevant with their team as you could possibly have. It's like it really doesn't matter who they have back there. The machine just keeps on – it just keeps on churning away, Raspy. I like where your head's at there, too. Good. I know that you're not just saying defense. I know that. I mean, it that goes as well and as prudent as it could be on the offensive side of the ball. They have so much talent there that they've built and acquired over the last handful of seasons. Like you said, it seems like, man, that, that machine can just keep going, put another piece in. You know, it's it's impressive. So I'm not arguing with you there in any way, shape, or form. The way they have built that team top to bottom as uh, – that's what it, that's what it's supposed to look like, man. You know, we've had the Derek Carr debates off the air, on the air. You know, all everything, every which way you want to have a debate, we've had it about that. And you know, I used to believe in Derek Carr, and I've supported him right up until the last few weeks here or so. It it became pretty crystal clear to me this season with the adding in all this other offensive elite offensive talent and guys like Josh Jacobs emerging in and in stepping into the elite at his position and none of that seemed to matter but you know what I've always said though is that I I I acknowledge Derek Carr's shortcomings I acknowledge Derek Carr's faults his limitations but I've always said that I thought the Raiders could have been winning more despite that through the years, even if they're still searching for another quarterback, kind of like the Chiefs did before they got Patrick Mahomes or other teams have done. 
you know, I just felt like the Raiders, I don't think that they could have won a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. I don't even know that they would have made it to an AFC championship game necessarily, but the Chiefs sure did both of those with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's an average quarterback. Brock Purdy, I mean, nobody thought anything of this guy. He was lucky to be in the NFL, and he looks dangerous in there. And then you had, remember a few years ago when we played the Niners rasping, it was Nick, was it Nick Mullins that lit us up? On, was it a Monday night? Smoked us. Just embarrassing. It's like if we had had a team where – and you look at you look at the Eagles, right? The Eagles reloaded and rebuilt just over a short period of time. They just won a Super Bowl a handful of years ago with a inferior quarterback, Nick Foles, who's a, a career backup. They were still able to win it with him. You look at these rosters like the Eagles, like the Niners and some of these other ones. Man, they have so much talent, so much depth. And the Raiders oh, are just – Look at guard, you know, Mustache Minshew the other day comes in against Dallas in a big time game against one of the better defenses in the league. And it it's a close game. I mean, if Jalen Hurts is in that game, I think Philadelphia Philadelphia wins that game, period. But it just shows that, hey man, you know, you you have built a roster and a team with so much talent around them at all levels that you can still you know, be not maybe not dominant, but it still be established and and have the wherewithal to go out there and play with any team in the league, no matter who is back there. I totally understand where you're coming from, and I, I wish we built that way. Maybe this is another opportunity for the Raiders to reassess, to relook, and examine. We'll get into into a little bit more of that a little bit later on. I guess now we we need to. Shift focus. The Raiders, believe it or not, actually do have a game. It feels like the end of the season already. It feels like we're in the off season, but we do. Not only do we have a game, we still have faint, very, very faint playoff hopes and chances. Still, I mean, it's not in our hands anymore. By the time the Raiders actually run out of the field, it could be over for them in, in terms of mathematically eliminated. But as of today. That's still not the case. That's one reason why there's some people that find this benching of Derek Carr with there's still being some life left in terms of making the playoffs. So it's such a curious move, but the decision was made. Derek Carr is on the bench. Jared Stenham will make his first start in silver and black. And Raspy, there's something that before we get into the matchup, there's something that I always find curious that I wonder if it could, it usually plays against the Raiders, but because we've had Derek Carr for so many years, this is the first time in almost 10 years that this, something like this could actually work in the Raiders' favor. The backup quarterback bump, you know, it. you see a lot of times Brock Purdy may be a great example of that right now where you get a, a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of film um, on him, maybe even less film in a certain situation with the new team like Baker Mayfield. There was tape on Mayfield, but no tape on Mayfield within a, a Sean McVay system. So I wonder, Raspy, we talked, to, um, was it off the air a couple days ago about even members as far back as uh, Trevor Simeon with the Broncos at one point started off 4-0 and and look, the Broncos were talking about they may have already found their guy and turns out, you know, once the league got more and more film on him, the rest was history there. 
But my question, Raspy, is do you think there's any way that the Raiders can actually surprise the 49ers? Maybe not enough of a difference with just this alone, the difference between winning and losing this game. But is there a chance that the Raiders come out and threaten the 49ers, keep them on their heels more than what everybody's expecting right now, just because the Raiders can do some different things with Jared Stenham. He has a different skill set than Derek Carr. He uses his legs more or is more willing to use his legs than Derek Carr. And the lack of film that Shanahan and company would have on him, do you think any of that could add up to a short-term Raider Jared Stenham bump? Absolutely. I absolutely do. I mean, and not to mention the fact that he is uh, real familiar with what McDaniels likes to do, you know, being a backup for him for the first couple of years of his career in New England. So, yeah, I, I there could be I, – I would not be surprised to see, you know, a little bit of uh, excitement and maybe us staying in this game a little more than people might expect us to. I think at this point, most people are thinking, oh, yeah, the wheels, here we go. The wheels have fell off the Raider, you know, bus at this point, and here we go. I, I, I'm not so sure. I think you're on to something in a little bit of ways because you do see that. I mean, it's it's something there. They were pretty much prepared. Hey, we're going to go face Derek Carr. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, I know we gave him, you know, a week. But like you said, not a lot of film on this guy. Sidham does have a decent arm. He can throw at a decent percentage. I mean, McDaniels can draw up an offense. You know, you still have a decent running game, although that hasn't been, you know, at the forefront or shining like we would have liked it to be the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, it, it could definitely happen. There's no doubt, man. There is the, there is some bump you get there. We'll see if it happens and if it does happen, how much mileage that McDaniels is able to get out of that. Sometimes the, the, that bump does, you know, Brock Purdy, sometimes it does last not just for a game, but for multiple games. The Raiders just have the two regular season games left, which, let's just be real, they have two games left. We're, we're not going to entertain anything beyond the regular season anymore. Well, but as far as... Sorry to cut you off, but if anybody <laughs> might have a little bit of a... a little bit more of a sample size on Purdy, you know, because he's been playing the last three, four games... You know, you start – that's when you can start seeing a little more tendencies and stuff too. So, uh, not to say that he's going to fall flat on his face against the Raiders by any means. But, hey, man, you do have those moments where a guy comes down to earth after, you know, two, three, four, five games and teams start to figure out maybe some of the tendencies and stuff that he doesn't like to see. So, that could very well happen, too. You never know. I mean, Brock Purdy's kind of riding on cloud nine right now, but that stuff, you know, can quickly, you know, those bubbles can quickly be burst in the NFL, so you never know. Yeah, that magic carpet ride could be over at any time for Brock Purdy, and if it's not, maybe that's a, a future trade partner, you know, if, if he proves to be a viable quarterback, who knows what may happen there. Uh, if it's not just a mirage with Brock Purdy, but, you know, chances are it probably is. We'll see if, if Patrick Graham can catch up to to him a little bit on film. But in terms of this game, it's this is a pretty simple breakdown for me, Raspy, because there's so many uncertain uncertainties with the sudden, you know, start for Jared Stenham. You know, it just – we don't know what it's going to look like. 
I don't think anybody but McDaniels, I don't even know if McDaniels knows for sure what it's going to look like. I think there is some truth to it when he says that they want to evaluate a younger player. He did come, you know, with them from New England, so they do know him a little bit. But the regular season is different. But for me, the number one thing, Raspy, for this one, if they want any chance, if they want to give Stenham any shot to have success and maybe even pull off a big upset in the first in his first start, they have to establish the run. Teams have been able to load the box a little bit more the last couple of weeks and slow down Josh Jacobs. I expect that to be even more so with Stenham being in there over Carr. Say what you want about Carr, but I do think defensive coordinators fear him more than the uncertainty of Jared Stenham. But, man, don't the Raiders have to figure out the Josh Jacobs thing and get him back to where it was about three weeks ago? Because without that, I just you, you're just not going to win this game against this number one rated defense of the Niners dropping back 35 or 40 times with this kid. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, that has to happen, but I think it also has to happen as, as much as it is prudent that it happens with some ground attack, it has to happen with the pass attack too. There could be a sense of maybe them overlooking a guy like Jared Stidham. The guy can throw with accuracy. So you've got some talented pieces that have came back, you know, between Renfro and Waller and obviously, you know, Devontae's out there. I know he's frustrated right now. I get it, but I would hope and pray that he's going to be that consummate pro and go out there and do his job. And, um, and be a big part of this game. So we're going to need it both. But I do understand what you're saying. I just worry about it with this. The San Francisco, their D-line is, is no joke. They will flat out get after you. They can do it in all facets. We need our O-line to be able to show up in all facets with run blocking and pass pro. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big one, man. I mean, this is a big, big game. This team is playing for a lot as far as, you know, the Niners are concerned. They're, they're, still, they're jockeying for position. You're, you're going to get their best shot. You know, you're not playing a team who's already set and knows exactly where they are as far as the playoff scenario lines up. They're not. So there's a lot to be said about that. You're going to get this team's best shot. So you're gonna have to do it all, but I agree that it's gonna have to start with some of that, some of that run game and that ground and pound to be able to set up Stidham and some of this play action to be able to help him be successful. So, but I also need Stidham to make sure that he's ready to uncork that ball, you know, when it's called. Well, that's why I think the run is even if the run isn't isn't as effective as we would like it to be, man. They still have it's to give them the be carries there. because Absolutely. the carry the carries are going to be very important for Jared Stenham because without that, their defensive line is stout versus the run, but they're every bit as stout. If you're just gonna, if they know that they can pin their ears back and you're just dropping back and kind of let the run go by the wayside. They, He'll get killed in there. He'll, he'll get killed yeah. back there in the pocket. You know, Bosa, they've got some dogs up there up front, and those dogs like to hunt. So let me ask you this. What, what's your ideal breakdown? What's your ideal run-pass ratio? How many attempts from Stenham versus attempts from Jacobs? Do you want it to be more of a 50-50 old-school balanced attack, Elway Davis, you know, sort of right down the middle? Not to use a, a donkey, you know, narrative right. there, but you know what I'm saying. Or do do you th would do you th 
Do you think they should throw more to keep them off balance? Do you think they should go with, you know, 25, 30 carries from Jacobs and, and limit Stenham's dropbacks? What's the ideal breakdown balance for you for this particular Stenham's first start against this type of defense? For me, and if I was the coach and I'm coaching the Raiders right now, you know, I'm Josh McDaniels, I'm wearing the visor, I'm telling my team, hey, we have to establish run game against this team, period. But I also want us to be pretty damn balanced. I'm looking, if it were up to me, I would say a 60-40 run to pass ratio. Because I really, truly feel like if you cannot pass the ball some and 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 strike these guys, and I'm talking like West Coast, the, the McDaniels offense that I thought we were going to see was those quick hitters. That's the kind of stuff you need to draw for Stidham. Make it easy, make it simple, not a lot of complex, you know, run you know, route trees or real slow developing plays downfield. This has to be quick. It has to be precise. I figure about a 60-40 clip, man. We need to run the damn ball and establish that, but we are going to have to throw the ball eventually. This is the NFL. No matter how much you would love to say, yeah, I would love to just run this team out of here with a 70%, you know, run clip. You're not going to do that. This team is going to get after you. You have to be able to be balanced. But I I would be a little run heavier, but I'm talking 60-40. I wouldn't be surprised if, if McDaniels does try to just go run heavy here because even with Derek Carr, they tried to do that against the Rams. And we saw how stupid that was with their run front. I just wouldn't be surprised with anything they do. For me, I I, I guess I tend you to agree with you a little scared. bit. You can't no. be scared. At this point, what reason do you have to be scared? I mean, man, you got to try. I mean, I get it. He's a, he's a young guy making his first NFL start. I understand that. But you also, this guy is, we're week 17, 18, whatever it is. You want to be a backup? Well, this is what backups have to come in and do. We need you to be able to make some plays, too. It cannot just be all predicated off the run. Because if that's the case, we're going to get just dog walked, as far as I'm concerned. Well, there is an argument to me to be made that leading with Josh Jacobs and featuring him, you know, in a healthy manner in this matchup would give you a much better chance than Jared Stenham would, you know. 65-35. Like every... I'll take 65-35, but it can't be all or nothing when it comes down to that. That's my biggest worry. I could see it going any way. I, I just – he he actually tried this just a few weeks ago against the Rams inexplicably. I think that's where the season well, was lost. A lot of people talk about the Steelers. I think the game – or the season, rather, was lost. Of course, the game was lost, but I think the season itself was lost – I pretty much knew in my Raider heart, man, that when you lose against the replacement Rams, Keanu Reeves and company, like I like to say, I, there was no coming back from that. If you can't beat Baker Mayfield, well, who is at that point a third-string quarterback bouncing around the league, then that just didn't bode well. Well, wasn't it 11 attempts passing, 10 or 11 attempts for 11 yards? In the second half, that's what I I'm trust, saying. So. I trust that Stidham can at least complete a pass or two. Uh, the, you're going to have to, or else the same kind of thing will happen. I don't even know if it's about winning anymore this year from Josh McDaniels. I think it is purely evaluation, or else they would have Carr out there if they were still trying to squeeze any last 
opportunity to try to somehow make the playoffs with all this crazy stuff that has to happen outside of the Raiders, even for them, other teams having to lose or win or what have you. I think that this is a real evaluation. I don't know how much evaluation you're going to get if he just hands the ball off every time anyway. That's what I'm saying. I think I have um, a different mindset. We're going to agree to disagree on this one, but Hart, I don't think so. I don't think McDaniels is going to go out there and run the ball 80% of the time. I just don't. I, I don't either. He, he almost has to show he almost has to show that hey, if I'm going to sit car down, I'm going to let the replacement guy coming in to play for him at least get an opportunity to throw the ball at least 30 40% of the time. Cuz if not, what the hell are we doing? We could roll car out there and have him hand off the ball 80% of the time. No, I get it. I'm you'll, not you'll saying that that's nothing. what I You'll prove I'm not, nothing. I'm not saying that that's what I think McDaniel should do. I'm just saying that it wouldn't surprise me because we've already seen that with the with Derek Carr, he did that. So well, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he doesn't do that. that with. It just all depends upon what he's trying to do here. I don't know what McDaniel's mindset is. I don't know if he is if he's actually trying to win. Then it would make more sense to me to severely limit Jared Stenham's throwing because I don't know that he. I don't see where he gives you any advantage dropping back, throwing the ball. Now, if it's a pure evaluation and you don't know if this kid can maybe even be a starter down the road or if this kid is a legitimate, you don't need to look elsewhere for your backup at the very least. You've got your guy there. Then you would have to, then he's going to have to throw. It just all depends upon what Josh McDaniels wants to do. If he's trying to actually pull an upset here, We'll see what he does. I, I just think if you're trying to win, then you do have to lead with Josh Jacobs. If it's about seeing what this kid can do under some different adverse circumstances, some tough situations, a eva true evaluation, then that it, it's different. It's I just different look at it like situation. this. I get it with the whole Josh Jacobs thing, but you also have a receiver that has 88 catches for 1,290 yards and 12 touchdowns and is – has the opp opportunity and the ability to just take a game over for you. I I would be really, really pissed off if Devontae doesn't end up with 1,414 tutties, which is what we talked about, you know, probably three months ago, which I don't know how much more you could ask for a guy. I mean, the guy's got damn near 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, you, you could have the lousiest quarterback. I, I could be out there and throw to Devontae and trust that he's going to come down with the ball. So I guess we'll see. And then you're right. You're right. There, there will be a lot that we figure out in these next two games as to where his mindset is truly at as far as Josh McDaniels is concerned. Yeah, because, you know, with Devontae, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's obviously an elite weapon that could help us win, but – that's the thing about being a receiver. It's a dependent position. And if Stenham is not good enough to get it to him, that's what all this evaluation is going to be for, though. We'll, we'll see what he's got. Uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot, but there's been a whole lot of – this This year's been full of surprises. So I would have said that Brock Purdy would have had the 49ers, would have been in deep trouble once Garoppolo went down. Couldn't have been further from the truth there. So we'll see what happens as far as the game plan. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see – what mindset that Josh McDaniels is in. But does it really matter what Stenham and what, what he does and what McDaniels' mindset is if the Raiders don't have a plan for Christian McCaffrey? If, if they don't bottle him up, you know, that's really going to 
there's only so many points the Raiders can give up in this game, in my opinion, Raspy. Again, if they're actually trying to win, if it's a value, if this is a preseason game, all bets are off there. But if they really want to pull off an upset and make a statement here, they can't give up 25 plus points to this team. Well, and that's scary too, because I mean, at this point, man, you've got Rocky Sand on IR, DP, Denzel Perryman on IR, Chandler Jones on IR. I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's definitely scary as hell with, you know, the players that have been playing better lately not being able to be out there. I mean, this is a true evaluation. If you cannot contain Mr. McCaffrey and uh, Debo, it's going to be a long, long day. I don't know if we have the horses to kind of stop that. We'll see. That's a big, big question mark, man. I don't think we do. I, I was thinking about that. Because even if we had Denzel Perriman, even if he was healthy, let's say, he cannot match with Christian McCaffrey in space. No. That would no. be one of the biggest mismatches on the board in this, in this particular game. And I'm, I was thinking about this. What do the Raiders do with Christian McCaffrey in this situation defensively? Because regardless of what the offense, if, if they're just in evaluation mode or if they're actually trying to win, the defense should be in evaluation mode. Like if Patrick Graham is going to be here next year regardless, then, you know, if there's certain players that are that they think are still going to be here regardless, they, they these are valuable reps to get this complicated system down. So – this is a very good scenario for them to practice on. What do they do? Do they have the personnel to match a, you know, a, a, one of those water bugs in open field like McCaffrey is, those quick twitch, elusive playmaking running backs in space, those jackrabbits, whatever you want to call them, without, even with Perriman, I don't know, Divine Diablo would have been a guy that physically would have, I think, probably would have given the Raiders the best chance with what we have. That's where my yeah. head's at instantaneously and he is cleared off I you know off IR to be able to play. Will he play? I don't know. We're gonna find a lot out just by how we run out defense come first drive of the game and as well as the offense too. Everything is so up in the air, man. This is a tough one nation. We're looking at so many variables, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, that's what I would do. That's exactly where my head goes. As long, you know, as as you're talking about McCaffrey, there, CMC needs somebody to have eyes on him at all times, and I think Divine could be a guy that would help you in that. But again, do you want a rusty guy out there that hasn't been playing football for the last four, five, six weeks? I don't know. I mean, it. There's so much up in the air right now, man. This is this is crazy. I don't know. I really don't, man. I really don't know at this point. It is so wide open. I mean, I think I do know, but we're still going to go ahead and break it yeah. down anyway. But um, with Diablo, I and if the if the season if we were still in win mode, playoffs or bust mode, I would say give him some more time. But since we're pretty much out of it anyway, man, this kid needs reps. He did not look good in this off or this defense, rather, in the beginning of the season or the portion of the season that he was healthy enough to play. He did not look good at all. He was one of my 
biggest disappointments this season, honestly. I had real high hopes for him based off of what he did in the in the uh, Gus Bradley system. I guess we should have known that you, we couldn't bank on too much rolling over from that system to this one. You look at Nate Hobbs as well, been a sh- just a shadow of what he was last year. I say if he's healthy, I say give get him out there, get him the reps. He needs – man – is there any more valuable time that a young linebacker could have, you know, versus an assignment where you need to shadow and, and, and contain Christian McCaffrey? Even if he gets burned, just that experience alone, you're not going to have too many more high-level matchups as a linebacker than if they assign you something like that. Agreed. So I, that's where I say you, you put these guys out there. So if they're not out there, you're going to see if they're – just kind of bailing or if they're actually still trying to win. I don't know. But that that's where my head would be is to you better have somebody with eyes on this guy, man. I mean, and that's just that's just him. We're not even talking we haven't even touched on Tebo, you know. This is gonna be a tall, tall task. There is no doubt about it, man. Because who do you put on him? You know, I I, I don't think we're gonna see Rakia until the 2023 season. I do expect us to resign him after the trade and after how well he played up until the injury. But you know who? who it's going to be probably. It's got to be Nate Hobbs. You know what? It better be Nate Hobbs. I want to see Nate Hobbs in a high leverage yep. situation against a very, very good wide receiver. A very difficult to to cover. A tricky, physical, shifty wide receiver. Very dangerous in open space. We all we've all seen Debo Samuel. I've seen him for a number of years. You know, a lot of my family, you know, originally comes from South Carolina, and obviously that's where he he was from. I watched him. I watch a lot of Gamecocks football, so I, I was familiar with him. Going back to his college days, man, he's very physical, very dangerous. I want Raspy. I want to see Nate Hobbs. They don't do a lot of traveling, so maybe they, you know. Maybe don't ask him to do something that they're not going to actually be asked to do in the Patrick Graham system. But, boy, I would love to see them just lock up Nate Hobbs on Debo Samuel. You go. Matchup. I want to see what this guy's got, Raspy. Hey, man. You're supposed to be our guy. You're supposed to be that number one dude. If you're the number one dude, you got to take the number one dude on the other side of the ball and show that uh, you can slow him down. So I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you on that one. You know, and the other thing to me, Raspy here, if they do entertain any shot of winning this one, they have to be ready for Shanahan's bootleg game, right? I mean, this the majority of this for winning is going to be on the Raiders' defense if they're going to win. They have to match what the 49ers are going to do, you know, to a basically a rookie quarterback and stin him. They have to match that. They've been playing very well. I think over the last six weeks, they've averaging right around eight, just over 18 points per game allowed, which is very, very good when you consider the fact that the Niners with the number one defense are averaging just over 15 points per game. They have to be ready for this boot game, though. You mentioned that, you know, Chandler Jones has been shut down due to this injury. He won't be back this season. 
a lot of pressure on Max Crosby, man, because it, it's – and whoever – if it's going to be Malcolm Kuntz, whoever it's going to be starting in place of Chandler Jones, Cleland Farrell is going to get a lot of those reps as well. They have got to be disciplined. They have got to be assignment sound because the Shanahan bootleg system puts so much pressure on your edge defenders and Crosby – Boy, does he have a whole lot on his plate for this particular game. Yeah, Max is going to have to be great. I, I see us moving pieces around from the practice squad, trying to fill in for Chandler and, you know, and Perriman and stuff. Man, if I see Clee Farrell out there on the edge, predominantly over Malcolm Coons, I'm going to lose my mind. Malcolm Coons needs to be on the edge predominantly, man. This this dude has so, so much upside. I don't understand why they don't see it. I, I, I've seen too much of it. I've seen too much of it last year and, you know, limited sample, but over 50 snaps. I mean, the guy was literally leading the league in, you know, pressure rates, you know, for guys over with a minimum of 50 snaps, he has to be out there. I'm sorry. Glee Farrell is not going to go out there and in this game for you. You need guys that are making big plays. I want to see Malcolm Koontz out there on a the regular. I hope that he gets some run. Without Chandler Jones out there at this point, man, you have no excuse. And if you want to talk about what you – Young guys can do and evaluate young guys, man. I'm sorry. We've seen as much as we're going to see from Cleveland Farrell. It's time to kind of move things around. Unless he goes out there. He had a couple good plays last week. But bottom line, he wasn't taking the game over. And neither was Max. And this is why we need Max to have one of those, you know, vintage type of, you know, defensive end type games, man, where you can go ahead and take over but I would love to see Malcolm Koontz out there because let's just say, sorry, Max, last two, three weeks, man, we have not seen what we need from you and you're losing help on the other side. So I don't know how that's going to get any better. I mean, they're going to be chipping and pulling and trying to do everything they can to keep Max out of this. So we need the other edge to do something. This could get ugly, man. It's a tough matchup. You know, I was disappointed this year with Patrick Graham, too, as far as his involvement of, of Malcolm Kuntz. And I think that it was already less than what it should have been. And I think when he had that really bad boneheaded uh, mistake against the against the Chiefs that allowed Mahomes to get another chance where we had stopped him to put that seven points back on the board, which he did, I think that that put him in the doghouse for a number of weeks. But... I think that him blocking that punt yeah. against the – was it against the Patriots? I think that that may have done something to hopefully maybe get him back out of the doghouse. He did play a little bit more the last couple weeks. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. Cleveland Farrell is not going to be in silver and black beyond the next few games. He's going to the last eight quarters in silver and black. So what's the point? If we're evaluating our quarterbacks, then shouldn't we – Shouldn't we be evaluating all young talent across the board? As far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't even be mad if they if they sat Max Crosby down just to preserve his health. I, I mean, I'm I'm not hoping for that, but I wouldn't. No, but I, I, I don't blame upset. you. I don't blame you, and I wouldn't be upset either. 
if this is what we're talking about, like, what are we doing? There's got to be some other guys, man. I think Matthew Butler better get some run. You know, I think if, if man, I get a Tillery made a horrible mistake against the Rams, bro. But you cannot hold this stuff against these guys to the point where you don't let them play to give us opportunities. Tillery needs to go out there. He has been about one of the only ones outside of Billings to give us some semblance of some pressure up the middle. Bilal Nichols has a lot to prove. I mean, what we need some of these young guys to come in there and show us what our future is going to look like. So if that's the case, man, then throw all the youngsters out there. Throw Hall out there. Throw Palomar out there. Throw them all out there. I don't Will care at this point. Yeah, Just throw them all out there, man. Let's see. We got to figure it out, man. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're playing for the future, then play for the future. But if if you're no. going to play Crosby, then it's so much of this discipline is going to have to be on his shoulders. I mean, you really can't do it alone with one edge rusher with this no. with this bootleg because they're going to be bending it to both sides, and you know it's going to be probably right down the middle, fifty fifty. So. He's going to have to be assignment sound when it's coming his way, and he's going to have to be just assignment sound when the bootleg is rolling away from him, and he's going to have to make plays. This is going to if – if, if the Raiders want to win, and we don't really think they do, but if they did, this is the Cleo Mack game that we would need from, from uh, Max. Max. He would have to get three, four, five-plus sacks. Not No cap, five sacks. Remember Khalil Mack against – was it against um, – who is Denver. the Bronco quarterback? Brock Lobster. That's right. You know, five sacks. And that was the game where Derek Carr was the quarterback but played very, very poorly in that game. That was 2015. That was one of his only poor games in 2015 at the end. He fell off a little bit. And he and, and Max Crosby led us to the promised land with, with the – or uh, Khalil Mack. Maybe I'm, I'm speaking it into existence. Khalil Mack led us to the promised land with five sacks that game. It may take it may take something close to that from Crosby if the Raiders really do want any chance of winning this game. Did you have any other keys for this one, Raspy? No, man. Just gotta give it. We, we gotta rally. Just rally, man. Play a clean team game and rally, man. You know, I mean, if nothing else. Start to establish what you have moving forward. Like I said, run all the youngsters out there. Why not, man? They have nothing to lose. We're not making the playoffs, man. Get that out of your head. You know, I that's another thing, too, for all these guys that are like, why would they do that with Derek Carr? Did you not realize who I just said is on the IR for the next three weeks or, you know, the next or four weeks, but obviously the season's over in two? Rock's not out there. Perriman's not out there. Chandler Jones ain't out there, man. I mean, why would you go and run the risk of putting a guy like Carr out there? I, I don't understand why these everybody is so pissed off. I don't get it. So well, we're, we're going up against the best defense in the league, man. It's going to be a hard one. We going to talk predictions? You want to jump into that real quick, or are we waiting on that? No, let's let's do the prediction, and then I want to finish up with uh, the Derek Carr stuff. Just just okay. in case some people may have missed it from the last show with the tech issues okay. or whatnot. But what, what's your what's your score and prediction first for this 49ers Raiders the the former Bay Area rivalry reborn? 
I feel like we're going to keep it closer than most think, man. I mean, I think the line on this one has got to be, I don't know. I know it changed like a point or two as soon as Carr walked away after all that happened, but I I see uh, 25 to 16 elf, but I see guys fighting and I see, you know, maybe the possibility to, to learn where guys lay as far as the rest of this is concerned. The season's over guys. It's all about kind of evaluations now. So I see it being, you know, a tight game, but I see us, you know, just this D, I see it being too much, you know, for for a young Stidham. And people might say, well, well if Carr was in there, I see it being too much for Carr. If Carr was in there, this score might change to 25-22. But 25-16, we end up catching it now. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be very competitive. Um, the Niners are on a mission this year. They're well-built from top to bottom. They're one of the deepest, if not the deepest team teams in the league. Them and the Eagles are right there at the top of the NFC. They're well-coached, uh, playing well on all levels right now. The depth is there for them. Raiders starting Jared Stenham, very tough place for a, a young quarterback to get his first start. I think some of the Raiders may have even have checked out after this quarterback change. I'm not saying Devontae or anything, but just you I'll just never know. You just never know where that's gonna sit, where that's gonna sink in. These guys are human beings. Somebody on this team is gonna be letting letting up some, thinking it's over. I just, I just think that the Niners jump up on us, and I don't think that Stenham is is ready to mount any sort of a comeback or to stand up and trade blows with the 49ers in a shootout. I like the Niners to win this one, unfortunately, 27, Las Vegas Raiders 13. Tough game. I actually see us kind of finding a way to go up early, but it, it not being enough, you know, in the end. Not, I I see it going kind of similar to what it has as far as the second half. I, I do really think that McDaniel's first, you know, 10 to 20 plays are super legit, and then things kind of tend to go away from that, and that's where you're asking a veteran quarterback at this point to supersede. Stidham's not that guy, so... I have no misconceptions. I'm not one of these guys over here thinking Stidham's the replacement. I don't think anybody is at this point. But it's a lot to it's a lot to overcome, man. They don't have to travel far. They can sleep pretty comfortably. They got a really good defense. And like Hart said, they are on, you know, they're on a roll. They're like butter right now, man. On a roll. It's gonna be a very tough game. Um yeah, I actually see us. I, I think the Raiders are, are going to run into a buzzsaw this time. I just, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We both have the Raiders losing this game, regardless of how they, they get there. We both have the, the same exact end result. little different score, but not too different there either. We'll see where the Jared Stenham situation goes. I don't think, you know, like you said, Raspy, I don't think too many people expected to go, you know, too much past the, these next two games. We'll see where the future holds, but, you know, we can't really talk about the future yet because there's so much unpacking. There's so much baggage that we still have to address here 
with the present, to be quite honest. And Raspy, before we let you go here, I just had a couple things that I wanted to get into, get in, get into with you uh, as far as the Derek Carr situation. Again, so we got into it somewhat in our last show, but you know, we had some audio issues that may have hurt us. You know, some people may have dropped off a little bit before that. And then, you know, it was just speculation when we were talking about it before, and in the day or two since, the speculation actually became fact. Derek Carr is officially benched. Josh McDaniels made the announcement on Wednesday, said he talked to Derek Carr and basically broke the news to him at that time. And they agreed that Derek Carr would go ahead and basically leave the Raiders. It, it's, I don't think too many of us actually we did raspy. We talked about it at the time after the, the Steeler game we talked, or was it leading up to the Steeler game? We had a sickly feeling that there could be a chance that, Derek Carr's, you know, we, we kind of knew that any one of these games he could have been throwing his last pass as a Raider, and it appears now that that interception where he was trying to hit Renfro on Saturday night may have been it. Yeah, sucks, man. I mean, hey, what was Favre's last throw as a Green Bay Packer? An interception, it, man. So, I don't know. Hey, it's, it's tough, man, but what what really gets me, man, is so many Raider fans. It it sounds like they're so upset of like like the Raiders never did anything for Carr, like he just drug us, you know, as a carcass organization for the last ten years. He hasn't, man. I'm sorry. We have given him every opportunity. We paid this man upwards of. You know, not too far away from a half a billion dollars as far as the contracts that we've invested in him. And then you want to start talking about players we've brought in. We have built the best offensive line for him. We have brought him in competent receivers and 2,000, you know, two 1,000-yard receivers at times and have brought him in a stud of a wide receiver, a stud of a slot, bringing in his best friend, giving him a top five running back. I mean, beast mode. I get it. The guy, yeah, be, the guy, yeah, beast mode. The guys that harp on defense, man. Carr was never pulling the Tom Brady saying, hey, man, I need defensive players. I need guys on the other end. So I'm willing to take less to go get some defensive talent. He was always the one pounding the table for offense thinking that was the only way that they were going to win. So, sorry, man. The the I feel sorry for Carr and the poor Carr thing, man. We have created – Carr has created generational wealth, meaning he his grandkids' grandkids will be taken care of because of what Raider Nation and our organization has done for him. So we have not trashed this guy. We have not disrespected this man. We have given him and instilled all the confidence that you could ever ask as a quarterback in this league. And let's be honest, Nation, would any other team have done this for a guy? This is kind of unprecedented, man, with his win-loss record. His, you know, two playoff appearances and you know, 10, 9, 10 years and no playoff wins, would other teams be willing to give him this type of money? You have to stop and think about it. This is a business when it comes down to it, man. And these guys know this as well. 
but business wise, he has been taken care of like no other. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, Carr deserves better. He did so much for this franchise, man. Good quarterbacks elevate their franchises to take them to Super Bowls and elevate the guys around them to win games. We literally have nine losses this year, eight of them by one score or less. At some point, there has to be some accountability as to why Carr can't win those close games. You can sit here and blame Josh McDaniels all you want. But bottom line, man, eight out of our nine losses are by one score. If he could even just turn two or three of those around, you're not even telling him to go half and half. You're talking about, like, give me a third of those, flip them around and make them wins. We're not – Carr's not getting benched at this point. He did this to himself. This is the situation that he is in. But let's not get a twisted nation. He is good to go. He will be fine. He's got Ferraris and Lamborghinis and every other thing parked in his garages. I'm sorry. I do not feel bad for him. We have tried and tried and tried to give him everything he needed. So please, guys, just think about this a little bit and realize that, hey, he's good, man. He just hasn't been good enough for us. I'm going to leave it at that. I, I, I'm going to start getting, like, super irritated. I, I, I do not understand this. Car deserve more than this. And, man, this is a business, man. This is a business decision. Well, even Vic Tafer was saying that he understands why they made the decision but doesn't like how it was handled or didn't like how it went down. And, Vic, I'd have to ask, man, how was it supposed to go down then? I mean, right? Derek Carr knew from the beginning when he signed this extension that he, if I knew, and I'm not a member of the Raiders organization, I'm not a member of the NFL Players Association, I'm not an agent either. If I knew as just a Raider podcaster, NFL data scientist, whatever, if I knew that he had an out in that contract where the, or the team had an out in that contract where they could get rid of him after just one year and not have to – with very you know minimal money owed and, and whatnot, no ties, everybody knew it was a one-year prove-it deal. You have a new regime from the notoriously cutthroat New England Patriots regime. You have a new regime coming in. Even, even Charles Woodson said it that he's not surprised that this happened because when you have a new regime in, you've got to constantly be impressing the new regime. And Derek Carr failed to do that this, this season in a season where they did give him so much in terms of everything he asked for. And the thing is, guys, for all everybody saying that, you know, for all he did for the Raiders, I have to – I, I used to be one of the ones saying that, but I have to agree this time because – with Raspy this time because it's like – I said this in, in our last episode, but again, a lot of you may have missed it, so I'll just say it again. The Raiders have never hesitated to pay Derek Carr when he wanted to be paid. They never hesitated. They chose him over Khalil Mack, who's going to be a first ballot gold jacket. Guaranteed. They they chose to pay Derek Carr first and ended up not being able to retain Khalil Mack. He could have taken a pay cut, a little haircut off of that 120 whatever million dollar deal and said, throw 10 of that to my buddy to to smooth over those negotiations. Didn't do that. Now, am I saying that he owed anybody else anything am i saying that he needed to give away his money that's his money that he couldn't spend it out absolutely not he did not 
have to do that. But let's just not act like it wasn't a, a mutual partnership. Like he did all this stuff for the, he's not Brett Favre. Okay. Like Brett Favre in green Bay running around for 18 years, winning him a super bowl and doing all it, totally different situation. And guys, I think a, a lot of you get fooled by it's one thing to appreciate a quarterback and to think, of, you know, like a quarterback, want to keep a quarterback. But I think so many of you out there are fooled by the fact that Derek Carr just likes being a Raider and all that other stuff. And I believe Derek Carr knows how to manipulate certain fans in that way. I think he he, he, he he grew up idolizing Brett Favre. And I think he knows – but the thing, Brett Favre actually did it on the field, but he knows how to – God, golly gee, I just want to, I just love wearing this jersey so much. I just love the Raiders. I'm never going to root for anybody else even after I retire. And all this stuff that he says, I won't play for anybody else. We're going to see about that in a yeah. couple weeks if he's going to ever, if he would ever play for somebody else, Raspi. That's going to be, that's going to come out whether or not yeah. he was absolutely, authentic. Absolutely, I agree. And I, I've never questioned his uh, authenticity. You know, that he truly, like, meant that in a sense. But if uh, the New York Giants decide to go give you a big contract and you go play for them, I want to see what you have to say about that then, saying that you will never root for another team. Or I mean, play for another team. Or play Either for one. another team. You know what I mean? It's like, man, when it comes down to it, this is business, man. And if your kids are good, then by all means, man, go get the bag. Do whatever you got to do. I'm not mad at him. I don't wish any ill will. Go, go be successful. Go do whatever you got to do, man, and take care of yours. I don't care about that. It's just not right here, man. So let's just say you're in a relationship for 10 years, man, and there's toxicity. You've had a couple years, you know, real good love and everything's been great. You know, you had chances. Everything was, you know guys or girls, however, whatever your partner is doing to to make you feel better one year to the next. Eventually, man, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And you got to move on. And this is where we are. And I mean, like Carr said, what was the right way to do it? I don't understand. I mean, they're going to risk him getting this hurt. Isn't, this isn't Disney, man. It's not just going to work the way you want it to work all the time. It's not going to be perfect. What but, choice did they have with that injury clause, though? That's yeah. what I don't understand. They were, were going to risk that? That can be crippling to your franchise, man. He goes out there and gets hurt and says, oh, all of a sudden I'm hurt, man. You're locked in for like the next two years. You have no way to move. You're locked into all this guaranteed money. And what if he gets hurt again? And can't play. So, you know, if that was the case, we'd look like the dumbest franchise in the world. And everybody, everybody would be like, what in the hell were the Raiders thinking? What were they thinking? You know, so miss me with some of that, man. He's good. He's going to be fine. He's already told us all numerous times that football is not his first love. That's fine, man. For me, my first love is the Lord above. And my family comes secondary. I've learned that in my life. He feels that way too. So the Raiders literally rank about three or four on his list. And we've still given him every freaking thing he's ever needed or wanted and have tried to keep him, you know, on this roster wearing silver and black. 
eventually, man, it had to come to an end, bro. I mean, it's not like, you know, we're not dumping Patrick Mahomes in the middle of winning season after winning season, taking the, you know, taking us to AFC divisional championships five years in a row. So let's, let's miss me with all the, oh my gosh, poor Derek Carr. He's fine. He's going to be all right. This is this is just it's it's just not even fair to us as a franchise, man. It's time to move on. So that's what we're doing. And I'm just glad that there's finally a coach and a regime that says, hey, loving the Raiders is not enough. You have to win for the Raiders. Do you think that if Tom Brady never won a Super Bowl and just said he had all the love in the world for the Patriots, that that would have been enough? What are we talking about? I got to give it to Carr, though, because it was enough for him to – he added on – he tacked on at least three more seasons, if not four more seasons, on with that act. And I don't know if it was an act. I do think he really wanted to be the reason the Raiders came back and were back to prominence. And I do think that he was authentic with that. But I also think he knew exactly how to play the heartstrings of the fan base and everything else. And, you know – to the national media, I see a lot of belly aching from, you know, the national media, Skip Bayless, or uh, Stephen A. Smith, rather, uh, Joy Taylor, people like that. Who is Stephen A. Smith has been the hardest on Derek Carr over this whole time, and now he wants to switch. Give me a but break. The, the thing that I – the thing that – I'm not even going there. The thing that I don't get is – where was all the belly aching when he signed the one-year prove-it deal at the beginning of the year? He signed a one-year lucrative one-year prove-it deal that put his his contract up in the up in the echelon of the top six, seven quarterbacks in the league. That's the what he's getting paid as, and the offense fell flat at a time where he had more talent around him, including his hand-picked, ideal, dream, number one receiver, best friend at a college. We gave him everything. Josh Jacobs emerged into an elite player. We weren't even expecting that. Matt Collins turned into a capable secondary receiver. We weren't even expecting that. So he signed a one-year, $40 million prove-it extension, and he did not prove it. What, what, What are we missing here? Uh, to Joy Taylor, to Stephen A. Smith, and others, are you guys telling me that you guys would have picked up the forty million dollar option based off of what you've seen from him this season? I just find that very hard to believe. I just find it very disingenuous. Where was all this talk about it was unfair when we were asking him to sign a one year prove a deal, and he did. It wasn't unfair then, but it's now suddenly it's unfair that he signed the one year prove a deal and didn't prove it. I mean, come on. He cried a few weeks ago. I think he knew this was coming then because the season was all but over after we lost to the Colts. Um, let me ask you this, Raspy. It came out from Vic and from some other Raider insiders that it wasn't just Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels that, that made this decision, that Mark Davis and his voice were very, very important and very, very loud in this situation in terms of Mark Davis not wanting Derek Carr around anymore. And basically he was the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. If you listen to Vic, where his voice was the one that kind of pushed it over the edge. McDaniels was, was leaning that way too, of course. And then you hear that not only was he loud and boisterous in terms of getting Derek Carr, thinking that it's time to move on now. There's the report that during this last coaching search that Mark Davis assigned a senior Raider executive 
to sort of be his representative to spearhead this coaching search. And it's it's been pretty widely reported now that during the coaching interview process that this guy was very vocal. He's one of these guys that doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut, so to speak. Apparently, did, did Josh McDaniels and company and, and to the other Raider candidates that were interviewed, he was very vocal about how he and Mark Davis think basically didn't like Derek Carr and thought he was pretty much trash. I was surprised to hear that, Raspy. Were you as surprised to hear some of those other details with Mark Davis and some of the other Raider executives as I was? Well, yeah, because that's, that's really not what we've been sold. So, yeah, I was surprised. But at the same time, am I, am I mad about it or do I feel like they're wrong? No, I don't. I mean, we kind of knew that this was going to be like the put up or shut up type year. 30 touchdowns. 30 touchdowns was what I said was the benchmark if he stayed healthy for all 17 games. And he's no, he's not going to get all 17 games, but he also wasn't going to get the, the 30 touchdown passes. And not only did he not get it, it was actually one of his worst seasons that he's had to date so far. What do you think of Devontae, just real quick here? What, what do you think of Devontae? How do you think he's going to handle this? Are you worried about him leaving? Do you think it's been overblown? What do you think about Devontae? I think it might be overblown a little bit, but, I mean, his words speak volumes, too. So, I mean, there's a very good chance that he requests a trade. And there'll be a lot of teams out there willing to entertain that. So, if that's where it goes, say we decide that, hey, we move on from Carr, whether that's a trade or we release him, whatever transpires, if he's not going to be on board, then you got to cut ties there too, as much as that sucks. But one thing we didn't do, again, that people will probably be super hard on us for, is that we didn't diminish his value either. Who, uh, Adams? Yeah, he's he. 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. It's not like we brought him over here and made him look stupid, you know? So he's going to be just fine, too. If anything, so, he probably boosted his value here. If he I could put so up those too. numbers with Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and it really didn't matter, so. Yep, I think so, too. So, I mean, as much as I want Devontae to stay and be a part of what we do moving forward, I don't know some of these words, you know, I mean, the guy's just backing up his homeboy and I can respect that too, man. I mean, that there's nothing but love when it comes to that too, but we're going to find out. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but at this point, if he doesn't want to be here because car's not here, then we need to look into doing that too and try to free up money and, bank that towards our defense and figure out where we're going offensively as far as our quarterback's concerned. But after, you know, a decade damn near this, I'm I'm ready. So I've been calling for this for years, Nation. Anybody who listens to this show, you know, knows that I've been calling for this for a long time. Never, ever questioned the dude's you know, philanthropy or anything he's about as far as being a good dude, that's that's great. I want him I wish him nothing but the best. But I don't want it to be here anymore. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna move on. 
I'm with you on that. And and the last thing on Devontae that I'll say is that I, I see a whole lot of Raider fans on both sides of the aisle. Everybody wants Devontae back if, if you know, in a perfect world, but there's a whole lot of Raider fans that are either hell bent on, you know, he's, he wants out. He's, he's, he's not going to want to be here. The only reason why he was here is Derek Carr. And then there's other fans that are just as hard the other way that, he wanted to be here because he loves the, you know, he, he grew up loving the Raiders. It had nothing to do with Derek Carr. Or that was just a small part of it. And he's for sure going to stay, you know, you guys are stupid. The truth is, guys, nobody knows what Devontae Adams is going to do from this. And anybody that's claiming that anyone else is stupid for not agreeing with what they think he's going to do, only Devontae Adams knows. And he, truth is, he may not even know yet what he's going to be doing or where he's going to be playing or feeling about playing in silver and black you know, beyond this year, once this whole thing settles down with him, who knows? So I don't think any of us know. So I don't think the big, bold takes with Devontae are very smart right now. And just lastly, Raspy, you don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but Carr, once the demotion came down, it was it was said that Josh McDaniels even said that basically they agreed that he would just leave the team and not be a distraction for the last two weeks, he's not going to dress and not dress and be in a ball cap or whatever on the sideline, a clipboard. Just briefly, uh, there's a lot of fans out there on both sides of that decision as well, and I'll just put it out there real quick. Was that a, Does that reflect poorly on Derek Carr? Is that a show of poor leadership to, to leave the team when you get demoted? I, I think it is. And I don't know what that looks like exactly because I don't know all the inner workings or what has been said. Does that mean that he's not even going to be there for these games or is he going to be in street clothes chilling? He's not going to be there at all. So I I feel like it's kind of in poor taste. You know, after all, you know, I get it. You're pissed off, you know, but does that give me the right to be a crybaby about it and just bone out and say that I'm not going to support the guys that are still here? If these guys are your guys – and you love him so much, wouldn't you be here to support him? I mean, everybody was trashing Tannehill a month ago when they were talking about Malik Willis coming in and starting and saying, well, are you going to be there to kind of like give him the tutelage he needs? Like, that's, not my, that's not my job. He was pissed. But he didn't leave the team. So you can sit here, and that's another thing. I almost look at it as a little bit of manipulation too. It's like, well – I'm going to leave, but it's just so I can avoid, you know, so we can avoid the distractions. Miss me with that. Be there. Back up your team. Get through the next two games, man, and figure it out. You haven't been fired yet. Come on, man. I look at it as – I look at it as it's in poor taste as far as I'm concerned. I know there will be a lot of people that disagree, but I feel like we've done enough for him, and if he really – feels and says that these guys are his guys, then he would be there. So that's just me. I'm with you on this. You know, it surprised me, man. I, that Derek Carr, you know, has always been a high character guy with the Raiders on and off the field, a hundred percent. I don't think this is a high character move here. I, I, I don't because I'm with you, man. Okay, so I just want to leave not to be a distraction. He's acting like he's the first quarterback that's been benched. Right. I mean, quarterbacks have been benched every year since probably since football's ever even been played. And all I, all I know is I've seen other quarterbacks with the, the clipboard and 
we've and, and they're on the sideline and they're not happy about it. We, I mean, how many times have we seen this? And and I don't know why Derek Carr himself would feel like he's above this or, you know, he's just not gonna like he's too good to do this or he's he's yep. so important to the Raiders. Like if he's if if he's there and not playing, then he would be a distraction. I just don't buy any of that. And to me. What happened to all this? I love the Raiders so much. I just want to do anything to help the Raiders win. What if yep. you being helping Stenham from the sidelines, seeing something that maybe a young starter doesn't see, that's not helping the Raiders? Well, Jimmy G sure sat there and watched Trey Lance go through everything and was backing him up with the clipboard. So I'm with you. I, I think it's I think it's it's uh it's a kind of a chicken you know what way out. As far as I'm concerned, man, like you're that much of a distraction. You being there to help a young quarterback that's below you on the depth chart is is beneath you. Well, then if that's the case, man, then go home. Go home. Sit at home with your wife and kids, man. It's an embarrassment thing. Let's just be real. He doesn't want the cameras on him on the sideline with his Raider hat on. He's being a baby, dude. He's acting like a freaking child about this, so. You want to act like a child or act like a baby, then then just go home. He doesn't want the CBS crew on that inevitable when, you know, Jared Stenham throws an incompletion between plays. They're going to have the camera on Derek Carr, and they're going to be talking about how, you know, Derek Carr was benched and, he you know, it looks like the Raiders are moving on. He, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that embarrassment. That's what this is. It's not about a distraction. And that also, to me, Raspy, doesn't that say a little bit about for the there's I've seen a very small group of people that think that, nope, this is just because Derek Carr has been battling injuries, just like those other guys that they shut down were hurt. And that's all that this is. It's not necessarily that he's fired. Well, then why would he why would he say that he's he would be a distraction if he stayed? Yeah. If it's just he's hurt and we're shutting him down till next year. What's the distraction? Yeah. And what would you you're going to get the best uh help as far as medical help and you know physical therapy in that you know at that facility so you're you're talking at your neck yeah you're right you get better training and and rehab there and if you're just hurt and that's the only reason why they're shutting you down then there is no distraction just like when he broke his leg he didn't leave the team then so that's how you know that this is a permanent benching. This is the end. That's when you would be a distraction is when you know you've lost your job and you still have to go out there and you were the long-term starter and they've decided that you're not good enough anymore. That's what all that is about. But I was surprised it happened so quickly, Raspy, but, it, I mean, it just it was a 48-hour whirlwind. It just seemed like you heard the rumors and then a day or two later, you know, it was already a done deal. He's throwing a fit, dude. Basically, basically, that's why that's why this whole oh, car deserves so much more than what we gave him, and all he's done. Come on, man, he deserves more than a decade. I, I, you you mentioned what Malik Willis and Tannehill. Malik Willis is being benched in favor of of Dobbs. Dobbs, yeah, Dobbs is going to start. So, they give, how many games did they give Malik Willis? Yeah. So we gave Derek Carr a decade. I just we gave him every opportunity. The average NFL career is like three and a half years or whatever. It, I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. I appreciate what Derek Carr's done in a Raider uniform. Too. He tried hard. He played hard. He prepared the right way, and he 
represented the Raiders with dignity and respect on and off the field. I'll always respect him for that. But um, it's nothing but the best for him either. You know, I don't have any ill will. I have zero zero ill will. Yeah, go be successful in whatever endeavor you decide. If you stick with football, then by all means, go be successful. That's fine. But don't get mad at me when I say that I feel like the way you handle things were piss poor. And don't also be mad at me when I say that no matter what team you go to, you're not winning a bowl with anybody, man. So. Like I said, anybody wants to throw wagers on it, I know that's kind of a cheap shot, but I'm feeling kind of I'm, – I'm feeling some type of way right now, so I'm a little pissed off. Sorry, man. You're not going to go win a bowl with the Jets or the Giants or the freaking Texans or the Buccaneers. You're not. Sorry. It's not happening, man. So as much as you feel disrespected and pissed off, the way you handled it was like kind of a crybaby way to handle it. I don't respect it. So after all the trash that was talked about, how much you cared, you're sure not showing it right now. Yeah, I agree. It's a disappointing end to a disappointing. This is the Raiders era that just never materialized. It, I remember back in the day, we get Derek Carr, Khalil Mack, and Amari Cooper in in consecutive drafts. You. You make the playoffs as fluky as it looks now. It sure didn't feel like that in 2016. I really did think the Raiders were turning the page. I really did think that that was the beginning of a new Raider age, the the first time since the Rich Gannon era. And it just – I look back now, and it's just like it was nine years of waiting for that time, waiting for us to finally turn that corner with Derek Carr and everything else, and it just never happened. It just never happened. So. Can't really justify running it back for one more year and expecting a different do the same thing and get a different result. We all know what the meaning behind that quote is. It's over, guys. It's over. It looks like the Derek Carr era is over. We'll see what the Raiders can do against the 49ers. Very tall task on New Year's Day. And um, and we'll also see. Where Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly and company go from here in terms of quarterback and just in terms of the, the team build, does this signal the beginning of a full-scale full re, rebuild or is this just a reload and, and, and keep it rolling? Lots of answers, lots of questions, um, rather, and, and lots of answers yet to be had here. Raspy, you have any, any last words to put a bow on this one? No, other than I mean, I know this isn't what we had in mind, man. This whole season, what we isn't what we had in mind. As much as it sucks, man, we gotta move on and see what transpires. I mean, we can sit here and be pissed off all we want. What's done is done. Kind of, we should have probably read between the lines a little bit, you know, more than maybe we did. All of us as Raider Nation, because we just wanted us to succeed, but. You know, this is where we are, man. So in the meantime, Nation, these are tough conversations, man. And they're not going to get any easier moving forward. But you know who's going to be right there with you to chop it up and talk us through it. So appreciate you guys, man, each and every one of you. Um, Probably won't reconvene, obviously, until uh, after the new year. So 
finish off this year strong, man, in your lives and whatever your endeavors are and however you do things, man. We want everybody to succeed, everybody in the nation to just do well. So love y'all, man. I'm going to let Hart take us out of here, but we will uh, reconvene here after the New Year's Day ball game. There's going to be a lot that's going to come out. We're going to see what kind of roster we throw out there and who who's on the field. Come uh, come the game versus the Niners. So we'll see how it goes. But Nation, love y'all. Y'all be good, man. Peace. Yeah, guys, uh, definitely have a safe New Year's Eve, a happy, festive New Year's Eve. Enjoy your, your New Year's Day, nursing off some of those hangovers, I'm sure. And try to enjoy the game. The pressure's off. It's been a mad, disappointing season. Like, pretty much Raspy was alluding to just a second ago, and, and obviously we all agree with him on that. One of the more disappointing, if not the most disappointing season in recent Raiders history is coming to an end this year. It's coming to an end, and uh, whenever one year ends, you know, the next New Year's, are, they represent hope. They represent opportunity to start fresh, to, to right wrongs, and to, to forge a different path if you don't, of course, if you, if you don't like the path that you've been on. Nothing different in terms of the Raiders. You know, it does represent a new year, a new start, especially with the new quarterback. And let's hope that all that brings a new era. And uh, regardless, we'll be here with you to break it down. Um, we'll be here after the 49er game to see how Jared Stenham fared in his first start, see how all that played out. And uh, until then, guys, make sure to, to hold on for Ask Raspy as well. Some We had to pretty much focus on Derek Carr questions this week for obvious reasons, but all the other questions that still are somewhat relevant, they still have a chance to be recycled back into the show at a later date. But for now, guys, lots for us to think about, lots for us to reminisce and, and ponder and think about, you know, the De whole Derek Carr era, a lot to reflect on, a lot of good, a lot of bad, and a whole lot of bizarre um, to, to, to look at. But until we meet again, guys, for my host, Mr. Raspy Raider, this is your host, Raider Hart, um, with you guys for now. Looking forward to catching up with all you guys in a, in a brand new year to start this thing off right. And hopefully the Raiders can get back to doing things right. And we all know that that means one thing. That means just winning, baby.